0: We continue this morning in a series on unmasking the ways in which Jesus gets beneath the images of who we are to who we really are. And this morning's story is an unusual one. In many ways, it reverses this, and Jesus himself becomes unmasked. I invite you to listen for God's Word as it comes to us from the Gospel of Matthew, the 15th chapter. Now, Jesus left that place and went away to the district of Tyre and Sidon, which is in the north. And just then, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and started shouting, "'Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. "'My daughter's tormented by a demon.' But he did not answer her at all. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, "'Send her away, for she keeps shouting after us.' And he answered, "'I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel.' But she came and she knelt before him, saying, "'Lord, help me.' And he answered, "'It's not fair to take the children's food "'and throw it to the dogs.' She said, "'Yes, Lord,' Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, Woman, great is your faith. Let it be done as you wish. And her daughter was healed instantly. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us join together in prayer. Gracious God, we come once again. We come to hear your word, to receive from you what only a living God can provide. So may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. You know, it occurs to me that almost everything I've ever learned, I have learned from someone else. Some of that learning came from somebody who disagreed with me or criticized my opinions or point of view. And nevertheless, I've learned a lot that way. I still have a hard time handling criticism Personally, I find criticizing someone else the easiest thing in the world to do. It it takes neither brains nor heart. But over the years, I've tried to learn how to respond to criticism in a way that would help the critic as well as me. Now two great wits of the 20th century were friends, Bernard Shaw the British playwright wrote to his friend Winston Churchill, I'm enclosing two tickets to the first night of my new play. Bring a friend, if you have one. (laughs) So Churchill responded with a note of his own, cannot possibly attend the first night, will attend the second if there is one. Not so much criticism, but an exchange of wit, and usually there's a bit of a bite to the humor between friends when they're matching wits. Our text today has a little bit of a bite to it as two wits match. I once heard of a young football coach in Kansas who had to learn to cope with criticism. In his first year, his team won the state championship. But then for the next four years, he only won three games. You can imagine the criticism he took. One year, he's a hero, and the next year, he's a bum. It got so bad, he wanted to resign from coaching. He talked to the chair of the school board about it. And the chair of the school board was a wise old farmer. So the farmer listened to everything the coach had to say, And then he told him his own story. He said, not long ago, coyotes made such a racket in the pastures at night that I feared for the safety of my livestock. So I called all my neighbors. and We went on a hunt. We circled the ranch. And as we moved towards the middle, we found the two culprits, two old, decrepit coyotes. They'd made such a noise, they sounded like a whole pack of coyotes. Well, the coach listened to that story, and he decided not to quit. And in a couple of years, he had built a good team again. He just needed to learn to whom he should listen, and not only listen to those who shout the loudest. Matthew tells of this incident in the life of Jesus, where a Canaanite mother from the northern region of Israel, near the border of Lebanon today, approaches Jesus with loud shouts of desperation. She'd be considered a Palestinian today in that region, considered an enemy. Jewish law prohibited intermarrying with these people, these very people. This woman's loud, she's obnoxious, She's desperate because her child's life was in ruins. And as they say, a mother is only as happy as her most unhappy child. It was hard on the daughter, but was harder even on the mother. How is this Jew now going to relate to this Palestinian? You can kind of feel the tension right there in the text. This woman, though Canaanite, had chutzpah, a good Jewish word, determination, wit. She was unacceptable. She was an outsider. She was impure by the religious standards of the day, and yet she demonstrates that she actually gets it by her response and obtains the needed help for her daughter. The story has an expected outcome. The woman's daughter is healed. Once again, Jesus responds to human need with compassion in the end. There's no surprise in the story here. The surprise and the curious thing about the story is not the outcome, but the conversation that leads to that outcome. Jesus seems to be having a bad day. He just is in a bad mood somehow. He appears to be uninterested in helping this no-name woman who's an outsider. And the gospel goes to some length in its description to make sure we get the point. Jesus is in gentile territory. He does not want anyone to know where he is according to Mark's gospel. And this Gentile woman comes to him and begs for help on her knees. And Jesus seems almost a little irritated or distracted. And then he essentially calls her a dog. On the surface of this, it's just hard to reconcile with the Jesus we come to know elsewhere in the gospel. He seems to be expressing racism and prejudice the kind that the Jewish people had against the Gentiles. If you read the paper this week about the election in Israel, you see some of the same stuff going on. Would you expect Jesus to express some contempt for a Palestinian today? Most of the stories like I said earlier, are an unmasking of us. But this seems to be something of an unmasking of Jesus. Yeah, it was troubling for me too when I (laughs) read the story. So many biblical scholars have tried to smooth out the rough edges of this story. Some scholars suggest it's the human side of Jesus, the non-divine aspect of his personality. He was actually expressing prejudice. We say that Jesus is fully God and fully human in our confession of faith. This is evidence of his human side, say some biblical scholars. Others, however, read the text from the perspective of a woman on the margins of society, a victim of society in need of help. And still others see the Gentiles as the oppressors, a person with power who benefited from cheap labor and the powerlessness of the Jews in that time. But whatever their perspective, it's difficult to explain away the narrative. Let the children be fed first for it's not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs says jesus sir even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs she replies it's not a matter of personal hygiene or ritual purity the ritually unclean defiled gent woman approaches Jesus and he treats her as if she's an outsider as if she's unacceptable and has no right to ask her persistence and her response persuades Jesus to heal the daughter and Jesus breaks open the reign of God God's rule is no longer a matter of blood or nationality that defines membership among God's people. It's a matter of what's within you. It's a matter of responding to Jesus Christ in faith. The early church had to rethink all the matters of religious purity in light of this universality of God's love, which is at the heart of the Christian gospel. I mean, this story has a parallel in Acts of the Apostles, where the Apostle Peter, seeing this sheet full of unclean animals being lowered from heaven, declares he will never eat anything that is profane or unclean. And the voice of the Lord says from the heavens, What God has made clean, you must not call profane. In other words, the good news. Is for everyone, everywhere. The church is called together and is held together, not by our nationalities, not by our bloodlines, not by our commonalities and socioeconomic class, not by our race, but by our common allegiance and our common service to this Lord. Ruth Santana Grace preached last week and shared with our officers, there's room at God's table for everyone, including those especially who feel themselves excluded by their circumstances or their background or their past. All are welcome who respond in faith, and all will find that their deepest needs will be met by this Lord and Savior. The Gospel of Matthew, which is really written for a Jewish audience, begins with a Jewish genealogy, how Jesus is connected to David and to Abraham. But at the end of the Gospel, it concludes with the Great Commission. All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth, says the Lord. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. Or, as Paul puts it in the epistles, to the Jews first and then the Gentiles. This idea of radical inclusion is at the heart of our own history in this country. Emma Lazarus' famous poem is inscribed on the pedestal of the Statue of Liberty. It goes like this. Here at our sea-washed sunset gates shall stand a mighty woman with a torch whose flame is the imprisoned lightning and her name Mother of Exiles. From her beacon hand glows worldwide welcome. Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free, the wretched refuse of your teeming shore. Send these, the homeless, the tempest tossed, to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. End quote. You see, this Canaanite woman is like Lady Liberty in the New Testament. She's the mother of exiles. Jesus breaks the boundaries that separate people and redefines who's in and who's out in the reign of God. What she wants, Jesus accomplishes. But in the process, this racial intolerance that so characterizes history, human history, has no place in the reign of God. We can no longer look at the world in terms of us and them. There's one God, and what matters is not what's on the outside of who we are, it's what's on the inside. The theological convictions of Matthew and the early church took on these political ramifications in the 18th century when those seeking religious liberty and freedom to worship came to these shores, we now are facing these complex and daunting challenges with immigration reform. And as we wrestle with the realities of the 21st century and the limits of our political philosophies, let us not forget that our political establishment in this country is built upon a fundamental theological conviction the righteousness of god has been disclosed the righteousness of god through faith in jesus christ for all who believe for there's no distinction since all have sinned and fall short of the glory of god they are now justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So you see, Jesus has broken the barriers and broken open the boundaries. The qualified and the unqualified sit together as those who receive grace from the same God. It's not bloodlines or nationality or skin color or economic status The tribalisms of our day are obscuring the gospel. The only thing that qualifies any of us for a place in the kingdom is that we too have received the gift that is Jesus Christ. So if you're in need of what God provides this morning and you put your trust in Christ, then you are welcomed and invited to come. Even the disciples didn't get it in this story. They want Jesus simply to send her away. But she would not be ignored. Her language is worshipful and respectful. Lord, help me. Isn't that the best prayer ever? She seizes upon Jesus' own words and throws them back at him. Yes, Lord, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. It's a witty response with some bite. She dared to argue with the Lord on behalf of her daughter. Now, I think every parent knows something about that. Lots of times... I, too, am bothered by the Lord's silence to my prayers. We prayed for years for our daughter following the loss of her first pregnancy. There's a time when we wrestle with the Lord and the Lord's silence. Just like this woman did, just like Jacob did long ago. When she said, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall, she was probably saying a lot more than she knew. She was saying that no one is worthy of God's grace, and therefore all are included. She helps us understand that the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ comes from the perspective of someone outside, someone marginalized by life, someone hungry for any good news, in this life. Real faith says that God will not discriminate against any of us, and God will use the most improbable people in your life to enlarge your views, your worldview of God's grace. might be a homeless person. It could be a, an immigrant. It could be some privileged person or someone with a disability. This Canaanite woman is the mother of exiles in the New Testament. Here at our sea-washed sunset gates shall stand a mighty woman with a torch whose flame is the imprisoned lightning, and her name the mother of exiles. And from her beacon hand glows worldwide welcome. Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. The wretched refuse of your teeming shore send these, the homeless, the tempest-tossed to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door, It's a great vision. Thanks be to God. Amen.